I'm not sure if any of you have noticed or not, but in the Humpty Dumpty nursery rhyme, nowhere does it say that Humpty is an egg. The version of the rhyme that most children learn today goes something like this. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. The historians would state that unlike some other nursery rhymes with dark hidden meetings, this was really just a riddle that parents would ask their children. And the obvious answer was Humpty was an egg. The answer has worked its way into the illustrations because now we know it's almost impossible for us to restore an egg once it has been broken. We could pull out our best glue and attempt to compile the pieces in order, but then how would we round the yolk, write the white, and put Humpty together again? Indeed, if we had all of the king's horses and we had all the king's men, we still would be at a loss because we could not, we would not be able to put Humpty together again. It's a poignant picture of humanity. We're fragile at best and we're broken at worst. Hopelessness is a reality when we try to put our lives back together. And the reality is, is that life doesn't play nice. The reality is, is that it's a rough world out there with tough knocks and it's not a place for fragile hearts, fragile minds, or fragile spirits. So we go through the effort of instilling self-virtue in our children. We tell our kids, it's a tough world, but you're tougher, sweetheart. That was on one of Kristen's pen cases when she went to school and I'd remind her of it often. It's a tough world out there, but you are tougher, sweetheart. But no matter how tough you are, I promise that life will be tougher than you. You say, well, are you talking about this hopelessness tonight? No, I'm just, it's just a reality that we all can identify with that nursery rhyme because we all know what it's like to be broken occasionally. We all know what it's like to fall. We all know what it's like to look at our lives and say, how am I going to put this back together? We're not just dealing with adversarial conditions. Uh, maybe if that was the case, we could enshrine ourselves in places of safety and we could let nobody in except those that we trusted and loved and cared about. And maybe at best we could create an environment. If it was just adversar adversarial conditions that we had to worry about, we may be able to build a cocoon safe enough. We, we may be able to build a wall high enough. We may be able to build a home that would separate us enough from harm. But we all know that we aren't just living with adversarial adversarial conditions but we have an adversary that seeks to steal and not just steal but to kill and he's not happy with that but his end goal is destruction in our lives we have that adversary today no wonder we live in a world where entropy rules and everything tends to disorder in our secular system we have to continually introduce time and work and we are fighting the effects of the lack of order and predictability and and we work our best effort but it's demoralizing when all of our time and all of our energy that we put toward putting our life back together again only slows our gradual decline into disorder the problem isn't new it's as old as humanity itself the truth is as long as we're working on our own agenda, 
our own provision, our own kingdom, then we are working alone and we are working against God. Your arms are too short to box with God. You can't fight God. But yet we try over and over again. And, and, and some of you are saying, Jack, you just flipped from trouble in life to me fighting God. I, I just want to remind us that the, the Bible re told us to pray every morning, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Because every one of us have a challenge not to build our own kingdom every single day. Every one of us have to struggle with the challenge that we must decrease, but he must increase. That, that's one of the reasons that John was the great prophet that he was. Jesus said there's none greater. Why? Because John had the ability to say, my kingdom's going to decrease, but his kingdom is going to increase. And Jesus was saying, if you want to be great in this kingdom, then you've got to be willing for your kingdom to fall and his kingdom to rise what a challenge that is in the holy ghost tonight his kingdom has got to come into greatness in my life it was the united effort of people just like you and i i'd remind you who wanted to plan against the potential of another flood in the old testament you can find the story in Genesis chapter 11. God had already declared that he wouldn't destroy humanity again like he already had. But we find people, men, planning, endeavoring. They're going to build their own kingdom. They're going to build a safe place. They're going to build the tower to the heavens. Because if God ever sends a flood again, we will be able to save ourselves. Oh, poor humanity. Will we ever learn and God said behold the people is one they have one language and this they begin to do and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do so go to let us go down and there confound their language that they not that they may not understand one another's speech and so the Lord the Bible says scattered them somebody say scattered scattered them abroad from thence upon the place of the earth and, and, and they left off to build the city. They could no longer continue their kingdom work, their kingdom work. Therefore is the name of it called Babel because the Lord there did confound the language of all the earth and from thence did the Lord scatter, everyone say scatter, them abroad upon the face of the earth. Since the time of Babel, God would never allow his people unite for a purpose that would extend beyond him. He wouldn't allow people to unite, come in union, come together in a purpose that would, that would work against the plan and the mind of God, that would work for the purpose of their own kingdom. Never again would God allow that, but he would only allow people to come together to unite his body, his people, his children, his sheep. There's a reason why it feels a little bit better today is because we're back together. I, I'm reminding us that there's something powerful about the people of God uniting for a purpose bigger than ourselves. There's something wonderful about the opportunity that we have to gather together in a place of worship, in a place of praise, in a place where we glorify his name, where we exalt him, where we're not concerned about who gets the microphone or who stands in the pulpit or who has on the right clothes or drives the right car. I'm reminding someone, it's not about our kingdom today, but this feels different because there's something about lifting and growing the kingdom of God today. So as long as we're working on our own tower to the heavens, we're humpty. But when we're not, there's hope. 
It was a warning that God had given to Moses from early times, leaving Egypt. They'd been commanded, keep the law. And if you did, the blessing of the Lord is going to rest on you. But if you don't, the curse of God will fall upon you. God said, if you walk in my statutes, keep my commandments and do them, then I'll give you rain in the due season. Your threshing floor will reap the vintage. Your, your sowing time is going to match your reaping time. You're just going to see continual increase in your land. He said, evil beasts are going to leave, and, and God's blessing is going to rest. And you can just go down through that entire chapter of Leviticus 26, and God tells about all the great things that he's going to do for Israel if they help him build the kingdom of God but he said but if you will hearken not to me and will not do these commandments he said then if you despise my statutes and if your soul abhors my judgment then you're not going to do my commandments he said I'm going to work against you and and I'm sure that the people in the presentation software are worried right now because I got about 57 verses back there for them not going to go through all those but let me just jump through all this. But God said that if you don't, if you don't, if you don't obey my commands, he said, then I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries into desolation. And I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors and I will bring the land into desolation. He said, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. And that word again crops up. And I will scatter you among the heathen and will draw out a sword after you. And your land shall be desolate and your cities waste. Scatter. God's intention. That doesn't seem like the God that we know. The God that framed the world with the order that it has. The solar system that all works in tandem and keeping everything together. He's a God that brings things together. He's not a God that blows things apart. But yet God said, if you will not hear my voice and if you will not obey my commandments, then I will scatter you. Now I'm not drawing any direct line like pastor didn't. I'm not drawing any... Direct line to sin and, and the situation that we've walked through in the last three months. But I do want to remind everybody tonight that sometimes God scatters us to get our attention. Sometimes God disperses us and, and separates us and, and just to get our attention until we're ready to hear his voice and listen to the word that he wants to speak in our midst. Sometimes God does things like that through the Old Testament just to get our attention. And I just want to go on record. God, you have my attention. I want anyone to join, want to join with me tonight and say, God, you got our attention. God, I don't know, I don't know if we're walking in the wrong way. I don't know if we're doing the wrong thing, but I just want to let, I just want to let you know, God, you got my attention. You got my ear. God, you got my hand. I'm, I'm ready to hear what the Spirit's saying to the church today. God, you've got my attention. Would you just lift your hand and tell God you got my attention? You can find that word over and over again. Leviticus 26 and verse 33. I will scatter you among the heathen. Deuteronomy 32, 26. He said, I would scatter them into the corners. I would make the remembrance of them to cease among men. Nehemiah 1, 8. Remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter you. God said that if we didn't focus our lives and our attention on him, that he would scatter us. The scattering was a sign that God was not approving. But along with God saying that he would scatter, there was always a hope associated with restoring. There's a hope for humanity that Humpty did not have. While humanity can destroy, only God can restore. 
if you'll just oblige me for one minute. It was in the 1980s when technology was rapidly innovating that we first heard about Mr. Miller and Mrs. Fletcher. You'll know who I'm talking about in just a minute. The product was called Lifeline, a button beeper that allowed an individual to call a hotline to alert medical professionals and family members of a potential problem. It was the commercial that became the fabric of folklore among us teen kids. And perhaps this would have been one of those first viral videos if we'd had YouTube. It's certainly meme-worthy. The phrase of Mrs. Fletcher was too close to a reality for us all that we would weave it into our vernacular. I'll jar your memory just for a minute with this short video. If we could just lower the lights and turn up the volume. Recently, when I became deathly ill, I was able to summon an ambulance, my next door neighbor, my family, and my doctor without picking up a telephone. I used this remote control to contact LifeCall, my 24-hour emergency medical response service. Watch, you just press this button and speak into the air and... I'm having chest pain. I'm calling paramedics and your family, Mr. Miller. I've fallen. And I can't get up. We're sending help immediately, Mrs. Fletcher. You know what See? I'm talking about. Protect yourself with life call, and you're never alone. I won't make you Do wait through the remainder of the 1-800 number. <laughs> I've fallen, and I can't get up. From then on, when we would be riding our bicycles and take a tumble, we'd say, wipe out on our skateboards and scratch our knee. We could get up, but nevertheless, Mrs. Fletcher's words were ringing in our ear. Help! I've fallen! Yeah. I think it resonated because falling is a universal human condition. And we, we may be able to get up in the natural, but I want to remind us that we can't get up in the supernatural. But I do have good news tonight. There is a lifeline that's not dependent on your monthly subscription. It's not dependent on a phone line that you have in your home. It's not dependent. I told some of the guys today, I said, somehow, when I get an alarm call at 3 in the morning, I don't picture these guys sitting in the chair with beautiful badges on white shirts. Looking for Jack Lehman, yes. There's an error code on the fire system at Capital Community Church. Don't, I don't see those guys in my mind. I don't see that. I, 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 see, <laughs> I see somebody really annoyed that this is the 10th time they've had to call us because we're still trying to fix a problem with the fire alarm. <laughs> and I'm as frustrated as them. And I think they call at 3 in the morning instead of 3 in the afternoon simply because they can. <laughs> I don't see those guys. But the good news is tonight is that there is a lifeline. And there is a hope today that we have that Humpty did not have. 
It was Ezekiel that said in Ezekiel 37 that the hand of the Lord was upon him and carried him out in the spirit of the Lord and set him down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. Said, and caused me to pass them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? In my mind, I just see humanity scattered. In my mind, I see individuals that were broken, that couldn't get up. In my mind, I can just see that all those people didn't have a hope. Obviously, it was a valley of dry bones. But God was about to do the miraculous. And I believe... I believe that God has talked to me this week about this message, and I believe that God wants to put somebody back together tonight. The word of the Lord came, and God said, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin. And put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And so the Bible goes on to tell us that the prophet prophesied. And as he began to declare the word of the Lord, that he said that as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together. You see, sometimes God scatters, but I want to remind us that God's intention is because he desires to put us back together again. God's waiting for us to receive the word that there's restoration about to occur. Maybe God was fixing something in you before he could fix something in us. Maybe God was reminding you of a challenge that you had because he wanted to do something in you for this group of believers, for his church around the world. God needed you to get right so he could do right through you. Someone just shout amen. It's hard for you to believe that about yourself, but one more time, would you just say amen? amen. And, and the prophet, he, he watched as these bones came together and, and as the skin covered them, there was no breath in them. And he said, prophesy unto the winds, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breathe and breathe upon, O breath and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as they commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived. That's what God did for Israel through that prophetic word. The Bible says an exceeding great army. And then God went on. He said, son of man, these bones are the whole host of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried and our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. Therefore prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. God said there's going to be a sign that comes. If God allowed separation and scattering occur to allow Israel to know that he was in control and their kingdom didn't matter to him, then he said there was another sign of them coming together <laughs> that would make a declaration about what kind of God they served. I know that Sunday night is more about inspiration than education, but can I just leave you with one more video? This one may be a little bit more uh, fulfilling. 
I know it's not education. It, 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 I know it's not inspiration. It, it's education. So just, just watch this for me one more time. We, we cut the lights and we'll turn that audio up a little. One of the most miraculous examples of Jewish history is the rebirth of the modern state of Israel a little over 70 years ago. The problem is, is because it's a recent event and we don't have the historical perspective and most of us don't appreciate how amazing Jewish history is, we don't get how miraculous it is. But by the time the Jewish state is reborn in 1948, the Jewish people had been in exile for 2,000 years, scattered around the world, thrown out of one country into another country, suffering endless persecution and discrimination. To come back after multiple exiles and dispersion and found a state is in and of itself an unprecedented event in human history. But if you think about it, a hundred years ago, what percentage of the Jews in the world lived in the Jewish state? The answer is a half of 1%. Fast forward to today, and we see that about 48% of the Jews of the world are living in the Jewish state today. That is unbelievable. In the first six years of the founding of the state of Israel, from 1948 onward, the population of Israel doubled. Since 1945, the world's population has gone up a little over 300%. The Jewish population of the world has barely changed since then. Yet the Jewish population of Israel has gone up over 1,000% to the point where there are now more Jews living in the land of Israel than at any other time in human history. And given the current trend of Israel's rising population and disappearing Jews living outside the land of Israel, within a few years, for the first time in two and a half thousand years, the majority of Jews will be back in the land of Israel. But we have to appreciate that going back 70 plus years ago, Israel was a barren piece of desert real estate. Part of the British Empire, the British were trying to keep the Jews out. It was a little piece of real estate in a constant state of warfare, terrorism, economic blockade, with no infrastructure, no natural resources. A country that from its inception was in a constant state of warfare and had to absorb millions of immigrants, which is a huge strain on even a developed economy. Yet within a few years, the country is not only reborn, and the population not only explodes, but the desert blooms and starts exporting fruits and vegetables to the rest of the world. That there is more high-tech and startup in Israel per capita than any other country on the planet Earth. And outside of Silicon Valley in California, there's more in Israel than anywhere else. That after the U.S. and China, there are more Israeli companies traded on the NASDAQ than any other country in the world. That there are more doctors and scientific papers. It is unbelievable. But people don't appreciate this. And give it the environment in which the Jewish people in Israel did all of this, it is truly a supernatural occurrence. We may not appreciate it, but Jews living hundreds or thousands of years ago, scattered around the world in persecution and poverty, if they could see the rebirth of the Jewish state today, they would truly recognize how miraculous it all is. I'm Ken Spiro, and you're watching JTV. So literally, we can see this miracle that's, how, that's occurred in our time, in some of our time. It's occurred before our eyes. When we look in the, this map of the Middle East, this miracle that God said would happen when he spoke to Ezekiel, he said, I'm going to bring these people up and out and bring them together in the place in their own land. That promise that God gave happened, and it happened pretty much in some of our lifetimes. It's happened right before our eyes. When we look at that map 
A hundred years ago, Israel wasn't there, but now it is. And God said, just, just watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore. I'm going to bring people back together from all around the globe. And they're going to be coming back into this nation. And they're going to rebuild the economy and build, rebuild the infrastructure and, and rebuild the land and rebuild all. That's not all just human effort. That's a mighty God working on their behalf. And I, I just want to remind us that that God that allowed that scattering to occur is the same God that's bringing those people all back together and I want to remind us that it's a literal prophetic picture of what our God is going to do in the natural with Israel but it's a picture in the supernatural of what God is going to do through the church in the end times that Joel said in the last days saith God I will pour my spirit out upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams your young men shall see visions and upon servants and handmaids in those days will I pour out of my spirit and I want to be a part of that we can stand together coming back to the music tonight if God does it in the natural and has done it in the natural it's a picture of what is happening in the supernatural and I don't want to miss it I don't want to just kind of blindly go through my day building my own kingdom my God is saying get ready because my kingdom is is it's exploding my kingdom is growing I'm drawing people together I, I want to remind someone that there are people in homes right now that you've never even met. You never knocked their door and you haven't, you haven't talked to them on the phone, but God has prepared them and he's drawing them right now. And all they need is, is a church to land in and say, this is what I've been looking for. This is what I've been praying about. This is what I've been seeking in my prayer time. I need what you've got. That's going to happen. And if in the natural only 48% of God's people have come back into that nation, I believe that we haven't even seen a half of what God wants to do. I'm claiming it right now. We haven't seen a half in this, in this building of what God wants to do. This congregation is just a portion. It's just a picture of what God's begun. Young people, get ready. Get studying. Get learning the Word of God because God's going to use you. Elders, don't give up because it hasn't happened yet in your lifetime. I, I got moved today as I watched some of those videos of, of the elders in Israel when they hoisted that Israeli flag and they wept because of what God did for them. I want to be reminded that that is what God's going to do in this end time. There's going to be an apostolic overflow there's going to be rivers that are issued out from the throne there's going to be rivers that are issued out over the threshold and everything that the river touches it's going to bring life I believe that is going to happen so some of us can't celebrate yet because we're still scattered We're scattered in our minds, we're scattered in our spirits, we're scattered in our activity, we're scattered, we're just... We've fallen and we can't get up. But what God has been doing in that natural, God wants to do in the supernatural. It's true. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and Humpty Dumpty had a great fall all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. 
All the king's horses? Of course not. Clippity clop, clippity clop. All the king's men? Couldn't do it? I just have one question. Did anyone think to ask the king? Did anyone think to ask the king of kings and the Lord of lords? I mean, we've done all that we could do. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots. Come on. But did anybody think to ask the king of what the king could do? Did anybody think to get on their knee and begin to pray and say, God, will you put this thing back together? If you'll put it back together, we'll do what you called us to do. I want to ask the king with you tonight. Would you pray together with me? Father, God, that challenge that just settled in this room right now is for a reason bigger than somebody's own plan. It's a part of your plan. God, that challenge that's resting in this room right now, someone will just take a hold of it. God, it's not our ability. It's our willingness. The ability rests with you today. The ability is yours. God, you can't take an able man and make him willing, but you can take a willing man and make him able. You can take a willing woman and make her able. All you need is someone that's willing to say, that's it, I'm abandoning my kingdom. I, I'm leaving it behind. God, I want to be a part of the kingdom that you're growing in this end time. Come on, I, I, I feel there's just a couple of people that are grasped. There's some early adopters in the room that are getting, getting a hold of the picture. There's, there's just a few that are starting to grasp a hold of the reality of what God wants to do through you. But would you just lift your hands and begin to pray, God, would you let me be a part of what you want to do in this end time? God, let me be an Esther. Let me be a David. Let me be. God, would you let me be used by you? Worship team, if you prepare, pastor, if you get ready, I'll turn it back to you in a moment. But come on, I, I wish we just lift our voice. The fruit of your lips, begin to declare it. I know it's just a little awkward, a little bit odd, but I, I need someone to say, someone reach out for the lifeline right now. Someone to call out, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. I can't get there by myself. I can't make it on my own, but God, I feel your hand moving in this room. I, I see your hand reaching down. God, you're restoring broken minds, broken hearts, broken spirits. You're restoring families right now. You're restoring hopelessness. God, you're returning with hope today. God, you're doing the impossible. Come on, on the count of three, I wish we'd just shout yes. One, two, three, yes. I say yes to God's will. I say yes to God's way. I say yes to his kingdom. Would you clap hands to the Lord?